Good morning, good morning. Wait a minute, wait a minute now. Hold up. Good morning. All right, that's, that's a little better, that's a little better. I'm so glad to be here today to uh, worship with you guys here at Lake Forest Church. I've had the tremendous opportunity uh, to be able to hang out with your pastor, uh, Pastor Michael Flake. You didn't know that he had a twin uh, in Mike Flowers. Amen. And, and we're, we're together. We're part of the Flake and Flower Show. And we just thank God for, for him. He's been a wonderful, wonderful friend. Didn't take us long. It seemed like we just hit it right off from the very beginning. And there's so many of you that I had an opportunity uh, to be able to meet along the way. And I want to say, you got to put, put your hands together for you all because you all have been a tremendous host of Beautiful blessing to me. So give yourself a hand because y'all been some great people. Okay. It's going to be like that? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Again, I, um, I am glad to be here. And I, I'm just so looking forward to the continuing relationship uh, with this great church and with your wonderful pastor. And I'm um, really excited. All right, let's, let's get right at it. Let's get right at it. Um, the church has been entering into uh, this study called The Big Picture, right? Uh, the story, capital S, of redemption uh, of God. And, and I'm so thankful to be able to, uh, to preach a segment uh, of this story. Um, you all have pretty much know in the beginning in Genesis 1, uh, you had the creation story, and God did such a magnificent, a marvelous job, you know, beautiful creation, and everything was good. And when he got to humankind, what? It said it was very good. Then you move forward, everybody's excited about creation, and then you get to chapter 3, as uh, Pastor Flake commonly calls chapter 3. And, and you look at how the story begins to unfold. You, you, you're excited. You're feeling good about creation because we're part of that, right? And, and then you get to chapter 3, and you have Adam and Eve. They got everything. They had everything. You can have everything but one thing. And the one thing that they couldn't have, that's the thing that the serpent deceived them, and they partook. Sin enters into the world, and it's commonly called the fall, right? The fall of humankind. And then from that point forward in chapter 3, you see how it begins to, to move into chapter 4 in their children, Cain and Abel. And, 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 and Cain was, you know, pretty much wanted to worship God however he wants to. Y'all know we still have that problem now. But, but you don't want to worship God, give God what he wants to. Nabal, he, he, he gave a sacrifice that God was pleased with. Cain got upset because he was jealous. You know, jealousy would begin to produce some things in us that would cause us to act in ways that would be detrimental to other people. Am I right about it? Amen? All right. Yeah, there we go. All right. And, and then it began to, he, he killed Abel. And then that sin continued to progress even in the generations after that. When you start looking even the latter part of chapter 4, you would see that the generations continued to increase in wickedness and sin. 
Then we get to chapter 5, then we start dealing with a lineage and a, a, a genealogy going from Adam. And then when you get towards the end, at the very end of it, it we see Noah pops up on the scene. 500 years old. I say, my God, 500. Y'all, I'm, I'm really young myself. And I can't imagine doing some of the things that God asked him to do at that age. You got to admit that sometimes, even in our various ages, some things that God is requiring of us, we sometimes feel like we don't want to do it because of whatever reason. So we see him in chapter 5, at the end, it shows his sons, and then we go right into chapter 6. And chapter 6 is when Noah's story begins to unfold. It serves as a pause in the lineage that was already started in chapter 5. Why is it that there's a pause here? It's because I believe God was starting to introduce his plan of redemption for humankind. Isn't that good news? But when you look at, amen, that, that's, my, that's my man right there. <laughs> chapter 6, it starts off, and, and it starts off in a horrific type manner. Beginning with verse number one, it says, When human beings began to increase in number on the earth and the daughters were born to them, the sons of God, uh, the, the created ones, the, the fallen ones, saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful and they married any of them that they, cho they chose. And then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend won't stay with you now, humans forever, for they are mortal. Then you go down in there and you, you look at how wickedness and corruption has now entered into the world and is magnified. You go down into verse number six and look at what happens. It just blows my mind. Remember, we talked about in Genesis how, how God had created everything and it was good. And, and when he created humans, it was very good. But look at what happens. In verse number six, it says, the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth. That's pretty tragic, isn't it? And his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord says, I will wipe them off the face of the earth, human race and I have, that I have created, and with them the animals and the birds and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret I even made them in the first place. But then, if you look at the next verse, and verse number 8, it starts off with a big word, but. I love when that word, that conjunction, shows up. When, when the word but shows up, it lets us know, on the contrary, in spite of what is happening, regardless of what's going on, God begins to interrupt what appears to be irreparable, an irreparable situation, and interjects hope and opportunity. Matter of fact, that ought to be a reason for somebody to say, thank you, Lord. Aren't you glad 
that in spite of some things that we have done and gone through and our mistakes and our failures, God gives us an opportunity to, to, to get it right with him. I don't know about y'all. Y'all look like y'all all perfect, but I'm not. I have, I have done some things that maybe wasn't pleasing in the eyesight of God, but I'm thankful for repentance, an opportunity to get it right. God shows us at this, this is the first time that we see it in the story that God gives an opportunity of redemption. That ought to be some good news. He says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of God. Mm -mm -mm. Isn't it good news? I love favor. Favor is when God, amen, shows his grace. It's unmerited. It's not something that you can earn, but it says Noah found it. Not that he was seeking to earn it, but it was given to him. My brothers and sisters, isn't that good news? So when you go down, what, what really caused him to find favor? It wasn't that he was sinless. Because remember, he's mortal, just like everybody else. Sin entered into the world, right? He is still man. And guess what? He is not without sin, but when you look at uh, chapter uh, beginning with verse number 9, it says, Noah was righteous, a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And he walked faithfully with God. What made him find favor in God is because he walked with God in obedience. My brothers and sisters, that ought to be something that we ought to really start evaluating. You know, we want to have favor in God because we live in a society now. Everybody wants good things. Everybody wants things to happen for us. But guess what? We're not willing to do our part. Am I right about it? God, he loves us so much. He gives us an opportunity, amen, to serve him and to walk along with him in an intimate relationship. And when we do so, guess what God does? God blesses us far above anything that we can ever earn, even on our own. That ought to be some good news to somebody. So he was a, a, a righteous man. So when I looked at it, what does, what does it mean? It really mean? It means to... Uh, it comes from the Hebrew word Sadiq, meaning one who is straight and does not depart from the way of God. You understand that the uh, Hebrew people were nomadic people, and they traveled the same circuit from one water ho watering hole to the other, from one pasture uh, to the other. They would travel the same circuit. They wouldn't deviate from their path because if they deviate from their path, they might find themselves lost and find themselves maybe wandering aimlessly. I remember, amen, I used to live in these apartments. You know, when I was growing up, we didn't have very much. Amen. We lived in some apartments, and there were some woods behind us. And, and, and there were a couple of paths. Amen. When we wanted some candy, when we wanted to get, you know, the big pickles, because it seemed like pickles done shrunk. I don't know, but the big pickles and Y'all remember when Snicker bars used to be really big, you know, and, and now you got these little things and they call it king size. What in the world? And, and we, used to, we used to know that path. And when we start walking in the woods, you would get to a point that there was a, it was a part where it broke off, broke off. To the left would go to the candy lady's house. That's what we used to call it, the candy lady. 
And we would arrive and we'd go through her backyard and we'd go and we would purchase candy when candy was like a penny and a nickel. And yeah, I'm not really old. But then if you would go to the right, you would find yourself in another part of the neighborhood. But if you didn't know where you were going, you would find yourself being lost. Isn't it amazing that there are times in our lives, regardless of what happens, sometimes we stray from the course. We find ourselves sometimes straying from the path. We find ourselves sometimes uh, wandering aimlessly, wondering how do we get back with God? And isn't it good news that God will come and see about you? God gives us the opportunity. But see, Noah was a righteous man. Uh, he, he, he was one that did not uh, uh, stray from the path. Then when you look at the word uh, for blameless, it was tamim. It means without blemish, without defect. It was a term that is used to describe that of an unblemished lamb. Can't you see how God is weaving certain themes in his story to give us indications that God is working a plan of a redemption? Isn't that good news? And see, it gives us a glimpse of the unblemished lamb. You know what Peter said. Peter said it like this. He talks about the precious blood of a lamb that was without spot or wrinkle, without blemish. Gives us a little peek into what's coming. Gives us an indication of one that is coming that is the unblemished lamb. lamb. Isn't that good news? So when we look at it, he he was one that had high integrity. He would do what is right towards his brothers and his sisters. And, and, And the walk that he had with God suggested that he was in close, intimate relationship with God. Now, it didn't mean that he was without sin, because all have sinned and come short. We all have missed the mark. But what made him righteous was his obedience to God. Hebrews uh, 11.7 describes Noah having the faith to do what was inconceivable by building something that he never even heard of before. So you look at uh, his qualifications, and he goes on, and he gives them instructions. But check this out. This is what's going to blow your mind. We talk about Noah, and then it says God begins to uh, talk to him about the condition of the earth. He says, now the earth was corrupt and in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on the earth had, uh, had corrupted their ways. Mm-hmm. When you look at the words, talking about the corruption, talking about violence, corrupts means that they ruined the beautiful thing that God had created. They perverted it and made it rotten. It had gone bad. When you talk about the violent, it talks about violent people that watched violence and done violence and didn't do anything about it. They were immoral and cruel to one another. Y'all, I don't know if that sounds familiar or not. We live in a time now that is very reflective of the time that we see here in the text. 
Some of the same things that is going on. God is looking down and seeing the same corruption and violence even now. Can I get an amen? But look at what happens. Now I'll read this again and it's going to trip you out. It says, now the earth was corrupt in, in God's sight, full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, and all the people on the earth were corrupted in their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is full of violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both human and earth. That's a, that's a bomb that he dropped on them, right? In verse 14, then he says, so make yourself an ark. Can you imagine how he might have felt? He just told him, I'm about to destroy everything. Everybody that you know outside of your family, I'm going to wipe it out. Every place that you see is going to, be, going to be wiped out. But guess what? I want you to go ahead and build an ark. And I was sitting there, there's no way. But I would have been blown. I probably would have passed out. But it made me realize something. Remember, he walked closely with God. So guess what? There was nothing that God can tell him that did not blow him away because he trusted God that much. What has God told us to do as individuals that it might have blown our minds and we immediately start saying we can't do it? What is it that, that you know that God is leading you to do, but instead of looking, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, but I recognize, oh man, I just can't do it. I can't do it for this reason or that reason. One thing that I've learned in my few short years of living, if God has called you to it, God will give you exactly what you need to accomplish it. How do we know? Because after he tells me, he says, look, go ahead, go ahead and build an ark. He don't know what an ark is. <laughs> and he starts giving him dimensions, start breaking it down, start telling them exactly how you need to do it. He says, look, make yourself an ark uh, out of uh, a gopher wood. What is gopher wood? They don't even know what the meaning of that is. Some people believe that it's cypress wood and it has flexibility to it, so he's able to use it. He says, make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. Let me tell you about this ark real quick. Amen. Ark is only used two times in the Bible. You're talking about this particular time where, where you know, God is telling, uh, telling Noah to build this ark, this huge uh, monstrosity of a boat. But then there's one other time that they talk about there's an ark and it's when Moses was put in a basket. It's the same word. It's when, when Moses was put inside this basket and put into the Nile River. And matter of fact, when, when his mother constructed it, it says that, that she used slime and pitch. Slime and pitch. And, and the word that's used for pitch in the basket is different than the word that's used, amen, talking about the pitch that's in the ark. The Hebrew uh, word in, in the basket means to cover, right? But then when you look at a man, they talk about this ark and using the pitch that covers the outside and the inside. It's a Hebrew word called kofar. And the Hebrew word, Lord have mercy, it means to pay for one's life. 
I don't know if that blesses you or not. It means to ransom. It's the same root word, Hebrew root word, as the word atonement. Oh my God, y'all, that just blows me away. Isn't it amazing that God is building this ark and he's using this pitch inside and outside. Why? Because he was going to use it to atone, amen, for those that are within. Oh man, that ought to blow you away. God is so, he's so particular, he's so detailed in such a way that when God gives a plan, Lord have mercy, he's going to work it out. What if I was to tell you this, there's no crisis that you can arrive in that God won't give you what you need to prepare you. All you have to do is stay close to him and pay attention to his word. Y'all praying with me, right? Did I put y'all to sleep? He gives precise instructions. Sometimes, y'all, the reason why we're in some of the positions that we're in is not because God doesn't answer. It's because we're not listening. Okay. Amen. Can I get two or three? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. So he gives instructions. He says 300 cubics, 50 cubics by 30 cubics. 450 feet in length, one and a half football fields, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high, 15 feet for each floor. Then rooms uh, at the top, amen, they got the windows, and it was only 18 inches by 18 inches by 18 inches for light and air. Now, when I was looking at that, I started thinking about that. I said, okay, wait a minute now. Because I was out in my backyard the other day, and I was standing in the backyard, and, you know, I got, I got houses in the back. I don't have a lot of land around me, you know. I got a decent little amount of land, but you know what I'm saying. And I was looking at the neighbor's houses, and I still got a pretty decent backyard. And I said, can you imagine trying to build something like that on land, and you're that far away from water? You have no ability to be able to take the ark to where the water is. Matter of fact, some people uh, believe, some scholars say it was over 100 miles before you can get to any water. You look at it, something that huge and you start building it out of gopher wood. Can you imagine what he was dealing with during that time frame? Chopping away at gopher wood, taking his time, building the ark. Building it, take one plank at a time, building the ark. 450 feet long. Can you imagine what he was facing during that particular time? He, he was probably looked at as crazy. He was probably looked at in a way that, you know what, what's wrong with you? Have you lost your mind? How many times have you had to take a position in something that would cause people that you know or around you to doubt your sanity. Believe it or not, y'all, just keeping it real, sometimes the things of God will require you to take a stance even when it's not popular. Sometimes, Lord have mercy, God will require his, his people, amen, to stand. Lord have mercy, I better leave that alone. But you know what? Sometimes it's not the left nor the right. It means stand with God. 
I've never seen in my life, amen, so much separation and division that we've seen. I thought that we had made it further than we are, but we're more separated than, than ever. But guess what? We can see in the text that sometimes, Lord have mercy, uh, to, to walk with God means that some days you got to stand when it's not popular. Amen. Glory to his name. Noah had to do that in, in the face of ridicule. Noah ha had to do it, amen, when he didn't even understand the plan fully. It never rained before, y'all. He don't know what rain is. He didn't even know what an ark was. When I built it, what it's supposed to do? But he didn't question the plan of God. He was obedient to the plan of God. Verse 22 says, well, he did everything God had commanded him to do. Isn't it amazing? He continued. He worked. He built. I can't remember how many years he said it took, but it took years without any sign of rain. Still building this ark, this boat, this cruise ship. Some people compared it to the Titanic, but I'm glad it wasn't. He stayed true to the, to the task that God told him to do. It wasn't easy. It didn't bring him notoriety. Isn't it amazing, y'all, that a lot of times we don't do certain things because it won't bring us notoriety or it might not pad our pockets. Some things, Lord have mercy, I want to be aligned with God. Because you know what I've learned? Amen. Notoriety can be there one minute and gone the next. How many friends have you had that you thought they was your... You're ride or die. Yeah, oh, is that all right if I say that? <laughs> I got to check, check my audience. <laughs> People that, that you hang with, you thought that would be with you every step of the way. But as soon as something came up, they were gone. Anybody had anybody like that? Thank you. I got about two or three. Amen. But God is saying, look, I, he's, he's requesting that, that, that Noah would follow his directions. And, and when you look at it, 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 it was, he was the one that was considered righteous, right? But, but there was not just one person. It was eight people that got on the boat. There were eight people that got on the ship. What is that saying? Is that sometimes, Lord have mercy, we have to be the examples for other people to see God. Can you imagine how the family felt? Amen. Because, you know, later on down the line, you'll see that one of them wanted to cut up a little bit. But amen. That's all right. But can you imagine them watching 500-year-old Noah building this ark? I believe they said he was 600 by the time he got finished. Constantly doing it in spite of how people were talking and laughing at him. The family was watching his commitment to what God had called him to do. 
What's the best lesson that you can give those that you love, amen, your family members and, and people that you care about? What's the best example you can get? Not what comes out of your mouth, but how you live, how you demonstrate your faith. Because you remember, he is listed, amen, in the hall of fame of faith in Hebrews. Why? It's because he did something, amen, on the command of God. He had faith and what God would do and guess what we can learn from his example on how we need to be am I right about it I'm almost done y'all ready to go when you look at how the story continues when you get an opportunity read chapter 7 and you'll see that amen that he he, he did what God asked him to do. But when you look at verse number 17, look at what happens. He says, I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth and destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. There's that word, but again. Chapter 8, I mean, verse 18, but... I will establish mm -hmm, my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. Amen. That covenant was, he was basically letting him know that, that I have, I'm committed, amen, and I have an agreement with you, and I'm going to ensure that you, you and your family are safe and that you have a future. When I was looking at that, it reminded me of Jeremiah 20, 29 and 11. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That ought to be some good news in the same way. That God was, was giving him a covenant because of his obedience. God is doing the same thing for you and I. And because of that, God has a plan for you and I. That includes hope and a future. I don't know about y'all. If there ever has been times when you doubted what the future looks like, this has been the time. One thing after another. But guess what? We can celebrate even now because we serve a God that's powerful enough to ensure that you and I will have a future and a hope in him. Can I get an amen? Noah did everything that God told him to do. Regardless of how foolish it looked. Because sometimes y'all, and I know I said this before, I think in the 9, 9 o'clock, 9.15 service. Amen, it's like this. Sometimes having faith will appear to look foolish. But God will use the foolish things of the world to give Y'all not going to pray with me. Am I right about it? So when you look at the story, the ark is built. The rains are started. God shuts the door. Oh, did y'all hear me? God shuts the door. You know the movie, y'all remember the movie? I think Russell Crowe was here in that one. 
the Noah. Amen. Y'all, did y'all see that crazy movie? Amen. You saw, you saw Noah running, trying to, trying to get, it wasn't in line with the scripture. He was trying to close the door, panicking. But if you look at the way God had built the whole story, the way that he, his plan and how it unfolded, God made sure that everybody and the creatures, he didn't have to go on and bring the creatures. The creatures came to him. The animals came to him. God, you know, because he's the creator of all things, he caused the animals to come to him. His plan was complete. Amen. And he shuts the door. He's sealing his plan. Now, when I started thinking about that, I was like, oh, my God, I'm getting ready to go. I'm hungry. Look at what happens. The boat is finished. The ark is finished. The ark is huge. The rains are coming. When I started thinking about the ark, is a type of Christ. What do you mean? Because you know what? It serves as the ark of safety. Uh-huh. It was big enough that everybody has a place in him. Y'all with me, right? And you know what I love about it? Amen. When God shuts the door, there was nothing and no one that could pluck them out of the ark of safety. When you and I are in the ark of the covenant, I mean, ark of the Lord, guess what? There's nothing and no one that the enemy can do to pluck you out of the safety of our God. How is it another uh, symbol of Christ when the judgment waters begin to hit the side of the ark? Uh, it took all the beating of the judgment as, as God was filling the earth as the flood came. It was the ark that withstood the beating of the waves. But Noah and his family were safe inside, not affected by the judgment waters of God. Oh, my God. Is that exciting or what? That ought to fill our hearts, y'all. Because we all have moments when we know we don't do everything right. Maybe, maybe not y'all. But God gives us an opportunity to get it right with him. And regardless of our past, our failures, our mistakes, God has a place for each and every one of us. Isn't that awesome news? We have such a loving and compassionate God that God makes provision for us to be ransomed and redeemed back to himself. Can we give God some praise? Let us pray together. Merciful God, our Father, we 
come to you glorifying your name. Thanking you, God, for who you are. We recognize that you are sovereign. You are in control of it all. And we recognize that even in the story, with a capital S, we can see your hand at work even in our lives right now. God, even when we can't see our way, God, you've already prepared a way for us even when we can't see it. So God, here we are right now in the name of Jesus. God, looking to you. And if there's anyone that is here, either in this room or watching, God, there's somebody that doesn't know what it's like to be in the ark of safety. God, we pray for them even right now. That, God, you would engulf them with your love and receive them unto yourself. Touch each and every person that is here and God, let them know that you have them in the hollow of your hand to keep them and to guide them and to direct us so we may enjoy a walk with you. Thank you now, God. We love you. We give you all the glory, give you all the honor and the praise. Thank you for redemption. Thank you for relationship. Thank you for your love. It's in the name of Jesus the Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Can we put our hands together again? Amen. Amen.